bug fix. Your attention, please. Now batting. Mouse and wings. Mouse and weens, hello everybody. Wieners and mouse. Wieners and mouse. <laughs> I'm mouse. I'm Joelle. I'm the mom one down in San Diego. I'm Weens, and uh, I'm sick of describing myself. Why don't you do it? <laughs> oh, my God. My little sister here from Hollywood, originally from Northern California. Uh, Hollywood. Single in the film industry and a wonderful person who meets really cool other people. Such as? Such as our friend that we are going to interview today, her friend. Tell us how you met. His name is Akello Stone. Akello Stone. Yay! And I met him through Ahmed, our dear, lovely friend that we've had on the podcast a few times. And Akello and he have known each other for a while. And Ahmed put us together and said, I have another friend in L.A. He's a cool dude. You're a cool chick. I want you guys to be friends. He likes gardening, too. He did a bunch of volunteer work with him. And that was kind of their first connection. Yeah. So, And he is a great guy. And we wanted to bring him on because he's a really fascinating person. Yeah, so if you Google his name, Akello Stone, you'll see what he does, which is he also is an actor in L.A. He is a teacher. Um, he's a yoga instructor. He does comedy, all sorts of things. I mean, what I liked about him and why we brought him to the table to interview was he's just a jack of all trades, but he's different in that he's not your typical guy. Mm-hmm. And so talk about that. Why did you want to make him... Um, a guest because I think that he has he's a sociology professor as well as an actor as well as a puppeteer and all these other and would really is aspiring to be a host so in a lot of his sociology videos for his students and things he uses his hosting skills and he gets hired as a host here and there for other so he just has a really cool perspective on life being Mm -hmm. a man and having a sociological open-minded perspective being an artist and it's interesting to see you'll hear how he's kind of a um, yeah jack of all trades and a varied human being yeah so we're going to talk about how he is a teacher we'll talk about his tattoos we talk about yoga and how he's super into that we go into toxic masculinity and we do talk about his book which is called seeking selfies in an age of selfdom so go ahead and look that up We ask him about his relationship, and then we do talk about his hair, which is kind of fun, and um, a little bit about my favorite thing, caveman theories. So uh, enjoy this this interview. We hope you like it. Here we go with Akello Stone. Leading young adults into, you know, well, fulfilling their goals, but then I'll bet they look up to you as uh, a model, cool person to try to be like yeah, I have a different you know I have a different approach and I would say that probably 40% of my work is actually cultivating life skills mm. um, it's not just about the work and the content I mean that's kind of when I was in school it was just about the content right mm-hmm. but it's very different now there's a and, and, and you know teaching a community college is gives me the opportunity to help some help students who want to expand their mind and their thinking and build confidence and, 
you know, there's a lot of personal problems that I help students through death of people in their family, just mm. on and on. So it's so much more than just the content. L- luckily, because it's sociology, I can weave in these life lessons into um, the curriculum as opposed to something that's meaningless in their life. You know, applicability of anything that you learn and gain to me is critical. Um, Pedagogy is different than andragogy. Pedagogy is when you educate children who don't, you know, children, they've never tied their shoes before. There's all these things they've never done. But when you have people who have reached adulthood who are being educated, you've got to help them pull from their past experiences and their present experiences and, and, you know, combine that with what they're actually learning. So it's meaningful. Otherwise, what am I doing? Remember this, take a test, you get the grade and then you move on. I want, I want there to be some lasting. But that's what most teachers do because I'm taking school. I'm taking school. (laughs) Keep taking it. <laughs> Just kidding. keep 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 coming back. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's what a lot of teachers are still doing. It. I really, you know, teachers. I I happen to have a couple friends who are teachers who are very cool people who actually care what they're yeah doing. Yeah, but that's it's few and far between. Most of it is still content. And I looked up your rate. I hate to give this clue away. Rate my pr- professor. Have you yeah, seen it? Yeah, of course. You got a hundred percent. And everybody loves this guy. Wow. That's a big deal. I have never seen 100% for anyone. You know I think it's the tattoos. I think it's the tats. Yes. Well, let, me tell you, since we're kind of, let me tell you on this, though. I, that was, I, my intention was never to be a professor. I was actually living in San Francisco, and um, I worked for Wells Fargo and the, and the uh, Internet Services Group, and I was like a recruiter and university relations manager, so... I would fly to different schools and do interview schedules and go to career fairs and different things like that. And even the top, some of the top schools, um, the students were not prepared to be able to present themselves to a recruiter. And in fact, I I remember I was doing a um, interview schedule. You have like 10 interviews, half an hour each right in front of one another at USC at this, you know, MBA candidates, right? And mm-hmm. one guy walked in and said, you're probably not going to hire me. And, and that's how he started. Oh, and in my mind, I was like, dude, no, you just started like that. And I, I said, you know what? Because the, the corporate thing, I was like, I knew what the trajectory was. I was like, I think I need to help these students in some way. So that's I said, great. like, I would think I would teach in higher ed. I would like, so I moved to Southern California and I was a grant writer. And then I started actually running a GED program at a community college. And then I started picking up classes at various schools. I had as many as six classes um, at three different schools. So that's when I was younger and more vital. Could handle all the. So I went into higher ed because I wanted to help. There was some deficiency that was happening, right? Like they were not getting what they needed, but that's how I ended up. In, and it was always supposed to be my part-time job. And it still is my part-time job. But um So, yeah, I have a different philosophy on what what I'm doing there in the classroom. Okay, so that was the first part where he talks about being a teacher. I thought that was so cool. Inspiring. People need that. Yeah. We need direction with these men, these boys. All right, so now we are going to go into tattoos. This has been a theme on our podcast, so let's hear 
about this. Akello, as some people can't see, but so you know, he's got amazing tattoos. You've got full sleeve, right, on one arm all the way up to yeah, your yeah, shoulder. Yeah. Got a couple things going. <laughs> he's got a couple things. Ooh. Look at how beautiful oh. that is. I also have, this is my favorite one here. If I Ooh, Shirt's coming off, folks. Woo! you got to go to YouTube. Shirt's coming off. Ah, finally. That's hey. gorgeous. Look that at that. That kind of reminds me of um, Maui. This is my it reference. Is, it I is kids, um, but... Marquesas tattoo, and that's in the um, the same uh, global region, and it was done by uh, King Afa, who is a you know just incredible tattoo artist. Is it Polynesian? Like it's just island? Yes, Polynesian. Yeah, okay. yeah. The thing about it is, to me, in my mind, visual. I was drawn to it visually, and. Um, the artists that I go to, you don't tell them what you want. They get to know you and then they create. Oh. This is like things that are related to me as, you know, so it's years and years of, you know, um, working with, with, a, with an artist. People think, I mean, you can, I've got some tattoos. You just go in and get this. I'm going to get this dragon on my leg and that kind of thing. But as I got older, I wanted to have a, a, a greater, more expansive experience of the tattoos. And, um, cool. I know that like, um, Julianne had mentioned something about your son of age 15. wanting yes. to get a tattoo. Tell me about that. Well, this was in our past episode and I, you know, he went through a phase and I have to say he's kind of not brought it up in a really long time now. So I think he might be over it which speaks to his age, right? He's only 15, but he was, he's really into hip hop music and, you know, starting to idolize some of these dudes and, you know, some had face tattoos. And so he started asking a lot about tattoos and face tattoos. And as a mom, I'm going, Oh my God, you're going to regret this. Don't do it. You know? And, and then I also did kind of have a few judgments like, well, you know what? It's really hard to get a job in, in the corporate world if you have like full sleeves. And so people might make assumptions about you if you've got Absolutely. tattoos. So Absolutely. something to think about, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah. And then Julianne kind of was like, you know what? You need to like lighten up on this or maybe rethink it. And why do you feel this way? So she started asking me the same thing. But yeah, I'm always curious about people who are super pro tattoo, have a lot. And what made you get them? Why? What do you think about them? Has it ever been a problem? So you tell me. Oh yeah. All of the above. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been in the corporate world and the art world. Cause I'm more used to the art world. Right. So I'm like, yeah, everybody has, but then I had to think about it. Like, what, does it really affect a corporate life? Well, you know, when I think about it, um, you know, I got my first tattoo when I was in grad school. And it was really small. I wanted to see, does, could I stand the pain? That was my first thing. Mm. You know, so I got something small. What does it feel like? Because that isn't, that's an important part of it. It's not like this looks cool, but it's, can you, what are you going to do when you're sitting there and it feels like a hot nail is being dragged through your skin over and over? For like hours and hours. For hours, because <laughs> the longest I've ever gone was five hours. And then at five hours, I was like, I can't, I can't do anymore. I'm like, you got to stop. And the tattoo artist, okay, let me just finish this piece. I was like, no, you have to stop right now. So I reached this point where I want to hit somebody because that hurts so bad. This is an interesting, you know, biochemical process. So what I did then as I started to get tattoos slowly, I made sure that they were covered so I could wear short sleeves. Maybe mm -hmm. I started on my shoulder, right, and chest. I could wear short sleeves. And then I got a little bit more confident with 
where I was in life and got, you know, I, I was tired of, you know, conforming to some degree. So they just mm-hmm. went lower and lower. So I was out of the corporate world by that time, but I was also in academia and academia is very conservative. Oh yeah. And I didn't realize that I, I had this idea that everyone's progressive, you know, especially if you're in sociology, because almost like I see my life in a way as a sociological experiment. Right. So mm-hmm. I love the art of tattoos. Uh, I love the integration of culture. I like being able to uh, make, make those decisions about my own skin and my own body. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know there are repercussions. I also know that people judge me and I've known people. I mean, I, I've worked with people like who were, I had a supervisor I worked for many years and just out of the blue, I was actually running a program, like a reading literacy program for kids. Right. And she like had pulled me in the office and said, I need to cover my tattoos because it's a bad influence. I said, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, I got up and walked out of the office. I just couldn't believe that. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, I'm known as, oh, is that guy with the tattoos coming? Like it became, and I forget <laughs> that I have that for really forget about them. You know, of course I can still, I don't have anything on my neck. I can roll my sleeves down and people would never know. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I always, I always, for anyone, like the biggest advice I would say is, you know, don't do your neck, don't do your face. Absolutely not. I don't like a lot of things happening on people's faces because it's such a strong vehicle of communication, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what I also thought about too is, you know, and everyone can make their own choices, but I, I, if you had, let's say, decide to get a tattoo on your neck or your face, and then you're going to deliver a eulogy. Yes. And I was like, that is just you know, and that there is a little conservatism in that way, but it's not conservatism is like, I think it's okay to live in a society that's rigid like that. I'm saying that that's how it is. Joel, mm-hmm. just like you were saying, basically it is, people are going to judge you for that. And there's a lot, there's nothing you can really do about that. You know? Right. I know it is our society and as progressive as little pockets of it are, I think the general thing is it says something about you Maybe people question your choices, your education. Why could he, why would he do that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't want my kid around him. Yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. That, that that stigma is still there in 2020. That stigma right. of tattoos versus Polynesia. You know, people probably it's like a yeah. sign of power and respect, and you know, a whole different thing. Maybe it's like so. the starbellied sneeches. Oh, yeah, great. Exactly. That is such a great example. You know, it's true. It's so, very true. You know, I, um, I I would never recommend anybody get any tattoos um, prior to age 21. <laughs> right? Yeah, I would say 30. I really found I knew myself at 30, but yeah. 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 But that's so, me. I'm that's, the mom. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, but I mean, you're, you're, you're not doing it out of this, like, I want to control you. You're doing out of this, like, this is uh, world out here is very challenging to navigate. Right, exactly. And you have to have your feet firmly planted before you make certain individual collective decisions. And you have to know what the repercussions of this, those decisions are. Exactly. Yep. That's it. Nail on the Which head. is nice to have those trailblazers who say, I'm going to do that and I'm going to be the advocate to fight out against the judgment I get. But then mm-hmm. you're making a big choice to be that. <laughs> that's going to be your fight. It actually was on. Um, 
in a documentary about tattooed professors. Really? Yeah. And I was also Did it cover that when there's like a kindergarten teacher in England that's like fully tattooed, like face, head, everything? Yeah. That's pretty wild to me. I'm like, wow, that's bold. Very that bold. It's really bold. Absolutely <laughs> really bold. That's neat. What is the name of the documentary? I'd love to see that. Um it's called Academ Inc. <laughs> oh, cute. Okay, we'll look for that and we'll link it in our show notes. I have a website that I curate content um for my classes, sociology oh, students. And there's probably about three or four videos that I'm actually in. Cause there was another one, another tattoo series where I talked about the, you know, dealing with the pain of tattoos, mm-hmm. you know, what, what is your website for people? Um, that are interested? Yes. The, that website is sociology online dot Weebly W E E B L Y.com. Oh, cool. So I use that for my students, but I also curate content on there. Um, so I don't lose it in the shuffle, right? There's so much content to deal with. Wow, that so, was enlightening. What'd you think? I like the reference to the star belly sneeches. I think that was my favorite. <laughs> that we shouldn't judge people based on adornments. And I'm I'm getting better at it. Except so. for when it's on your neck and face, which, by the way, in our other podcast when we talked about that, yeah. I was not talking about 15-year-olds getting neck and face tattoos. I was talking about just general... Like, be open-minded about if that were a thing anyway. Right. So, I get it. We're on the same page. I'm I'm there. Although, I still wish he would wait till he's 30. Anyway, we are going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. We are sponsored by Dream Dinners. Dream Dinners is a wonderful food preparation service that is offering our listeners $99 off their first order if you enter Mouse and Weens 99 at checkout. And let me tell you what that includes. This is a month's worth of meals, you guys, that is already chopped up, prepped. It's separated for you. It comes in a bag with instructions, and it goes in your freezer so you can take it out and thaw it anytime that it's convenient for you and cook up a quick dinner 20, 30 minutes. It is such a game changer for us. We cook dinners together as a family. We sit down and eat meals as a family and it's healthy food. It's great quality food and you can modify it according to your likes and dislikes. You can give them special instructions. It's perfect for people who don't know how to cook. It's so simple. I leave instructions out for the kids or my husband sometimes. They have looked into it and you save 20 hours a month from shopping and prepping and really the cost of meals is about $6.50 per meal, which is so cheap when you think about it. So much cheaper than a lot of the other services. So do go to dreamdinners.com, look up your location. If you're within 25 miles of Poway or San Marcos locations, just enter Mouse Weens 99. You will get $99 off your first full order and you will receive free shipping. Free shipping, free delivery. They don't ship it, they bring it to you. Or you can go pick it up yourself. But it's so easy, you guys. Do it. It is such a life changer. Enjoy. All right. Now we are going to talk about yoga and Akello's relationship with yoga, how he's super into it. And uh, he tells us in the end, too, that he's going to do a guided meditation. So keep that in mind as he's talking. Um, It'll be a future project. But um, it goes right into also toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. and men in yoga. That's why I love this. I think it was so interesting um, and people's perception of it and all that. So, all right, here we go. Now, you were doing um, yoga. Is it, was it Buddhism mixed with yoga? 
<laughs> I almost said Yoda. <laughs> was that it? No, it's it. I was just how I got into yoga. I took it like a college class on yoga like years ago to fulfill that physical education requirement. But it was like one semester, and I, you know, that was, and that's like what twenty years later or whatever. I um, I started going to an acupuncture clinic for epicondylitis in my elbow that's tennis elbow right i I have that is that the official word yes epicondylitis um nine nine sessions and it was cured and the woman that did that her name is kali and she was also a yoga instructor and acupuncturist right herbalist but i was like oh you are so she's such a great person her personality her whole presence i was like do you have any, you should put some videos out there and kind of thing. So I started working on helping her create videos Mm. on instructional yoga, even though I didn't take yoga. And then fast forward is a yoga studio opened up where I, when I used to work in Hollywood and Vine and she had a class there and I was like, I'm going to jump into a level two vinyasa uh, class (laughs) three days a week. You know, I've done a little, um, Bikram and a couple things here and there, but I never did a committed practice. And I was into it so much. I actually went to uh, Bali for a week long yoga retreat where we did yoga twice a day. Mm. I mean, I was, I was into it. Um, I've had some back problems and I've had to kind of take a step back. But the, the fact that you mentioned kind of the connection between uh, Buddhism and yoga, there is a connection there, mm-hmm. you know, that there, there, I find those connections and, and, um, I guess for yoga, uh, or for me with yoga, the, the, the incredible discovery I found was I was really not in tune with where my body was in physical space, you know, talk mm-hmm. about being clumsy. I didn't know where my hips were. I just certain things. And it, it allowed me to really get into my body uh, like I'd never had before. So, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, and I say in the past, I hope to get back into yoga because I definitely do miss it. That's cool. Uh, That's good. And I'm glad, you know, it's a little more accepted maybe in Southern California, at least I see a lot more men in the classes here. Unfortunately, not what Joe? Yeah. I was going to say there was a huge uh, thing a couple of years ago up in the Encinitas school system where they were having the kids do yoga as, you know, stretching and kind of a meditative moment and, you know, just to calm people down, different yeah, thing with their know, body. I, absolutely. But then all the parents started pushing back saying it was religious. And so oh, they had a big measure no. to take it out of the school system. So then it became a big yeah. fight. I think they can still do it. I think they, they won the, the yogis of the world. But um, yeah, isn't that wow. crazy? I, I see nothing wrong with it. I think it's all just... Love and light, and I can't believe it. It is, and I've done, it, actually but... done a couple um, workshops uh, with a couple uh, youth-serving organizations. Yeah. I did some yoga workshops with some fifth graders, you know, and, and uh, they loved it. I mean, they was into it. They, You know, it's a, it's a shift for a lot of people, right? Because there's always been this, like for me, when I grew up, there was like PBS. Remember PBS? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love it. There was a yoga show and the woman, you know, just could do all those, you know, advanced poses. I and... still tape her show. I think it's like on reruns. The oh, blue suit wow. and the big I'm long sure. braid down the side. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was like my yoga stigma. But I, I know Julianne had mentioned that, yeah, there were many times uh, where I was like the only man in the class. And maybe there was another one. Even for the Bali retreat, I think there were 15 people. I was the guy. Hmm. Wow. Fine with it, but it's almost kind of like, 
it's a different experience, isn't it? Because here's the other thing that I want to mention before we get off that topic that kind of really in the realm of toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. there's still, there's a lot of men and there's a lot of kind of rhetoric out there that sexualizes yoga. And I really, as someone who was a practitioner for years, I, I I find that problematic Um, as adults, we learn to repress so many things and I don't think we know to what to repress and what to conform on. Like me personally, and I, I can't validate this with, with data and facts, but just kind of in my heart, I know that for many young men, I can be the role. I can show them an expansive way of being a man. And I think I, I've always mm-hmm. had a way with like um, helping helping young men see that there are different ways to express masculinity that are not toxic, that are not oppressive. There's ways in which we use language and how we communicate with one another as men, but also with women and what we, you know, what is, is offensive and what's problematic, you know, pointing that out along the way and then role modeling that behavior, like being in the yoga class and being in certain environments where maybe more men would feel comfortable because I've, you know, broken the, you know, I came, what is it called? Like when you kind of the first, the trailblazer or whatever, in a way, that's the kind Mm -hmm. of the way that I see. And actually, and I'm so excited. I'm teaching a new class for the first time called gender and society, because I wanted to teach a class on masculinities. I wanted to say, what can I do on this micro level to really deal with this problem? Because what I've always seen is Mm -hmm. men that talk about toxic masculinity and have a book and things like that out about it, right? They used Mm -hmm. those aspects of toxic masculinity to rise up in their career. So yes, I'll be honest with Mm -hmm. you. I probably could have gone, been a lot further, a lot richer, a lot more in quotes successful had I played along and subscribed to like the old boys network, but I just don't. And I can't, and I realized that there are, um, you know, I, I could, I probably miss out on a lot of things, but it's my values are more important than any of that. Yeah. No, I think that is so important for being the mom of young boys to to have these these uh, role models that can show this softer side and more emotional side and be in touch with their feelings and use language like that, yet balance it with being a man, a stereotypical you know man with different aspects of them. And I wish we had more like that. In fact, in my daughter, uh, we kind of got to choose between two teachers at her school for this virtual learning. One is this big, loud, you know, football coach kind of guy who everybody loves. I mean, he's just, you know, salt of the earth and he'll make you feel so great and grand and give you confidence. But then there's this other teacher who plays guitar and gets emotional and hikes and meditates and, you know, and I'm like, you know what? She has enough big burly dudes in her life that are rah, rah, rah. So we, we went with this, uh, sweeter, quieter, um, teacher. And I love it. I love that balance for her. And Shiffles. so I love that you're out there as an example Thank of you. that. That's very yeah. cool. There's a documentary too. um, a woman, she, I think she's married to Gavin Newsom. Am I saying this wrong? But she has a documentary about it. I'll link that okay. in our show notes too, but then we'll go to your page as well. Cause I'm sure you've got stuff on that. <laughs> 
right. So next we are going, well, first of all, I just want to say, I think it's cool that he's doing um, the women and gender and society class. I think that's great. Yeah. That this is something he's passionate about. And we yeah. need more men like this. Guys, if you're listening, get into it. Okay. Exactly. Um, next is I'm like your yes woman today. I know. The yep. hype, uh-huh. hype, hype girl. girl. There she is. Okay, we talk about his book next, so here we go. I was going to jump in, and if you have something else to say, just remember, but you have a book. This this person we're speaking with does have a book that is amazing. <laughs> yes, you're it's called Yes, yeah, Seeking Selfdom in the Age of Selfies. Da, da, da. Okay, what is it about? I love it. So what does that mean? What is? Oh, my yeah. God. What is it about? It's about everything. <laughs> um, I love it, by the way. I, you could just turn to a page, and it yeah. will – it seems to speak to you because there's so it's so dense and rich and well done. Can I just read from the back? And, sure. Because otherwise it'll just go on and on. But um, oh yeah, hold on. Oh here we go. Welcome to fifty, right? <laughs> Girl, I just took off my reading glasses because uh, I'm not on camera. But yeah. <laughs> so this is actually I actually took a selfie for the book. Nice. And. Um, You'll see the hair thing is interesting. We'll get there. But it says, um, we live in a time of great irony. We take countless photos photos of ourselves, post them to social media for others to view, and yet we don't really see ourselves. While many people seek power, material gain, and that elusive thing called happiness, countless others seek something more, both a deeper relationship with themselves and a greater understanding of themselves. Selfdom is the consummate curator of our multifaceted identity, the custodian of our grand purpose, and the champion of our limitless imagination. Cultivating this important relationship offers us new ways of looking at our lives and life itself through multiple lenses that challenge our intellect, strengthen our interpersonal connections, and invigorate our soul. The ideas shared in this book can be profound catalysts for personal growth and transformation predicated on your own terms executed in your own way and accomplished in your own time. That's awesome. Dude, <laughs> that's great. Wow. I'll bet that connects with your students in a big way, right? And these younger folks in the age of selfies. And it does. And, you know, I was there's, there's really just kind of one chapter on that. You know, I'll be honest with like, um, I, that's the selfies idea is the draw to like get people to want to read, but there's, it's so much more than just, I think people may think it's like an evaluation of selfies. And I do like a little bit of that, but it's just for, for, for what one, one of my friends called it, uh, my manifesto. Oh, what brought you to, to write that? That's interesting. Well, it was kind of a combination of, of things I've been writing, you know, I've been kind of writing pieces of it for like four years before I kind of really put it together um, the idea was by the time I turned 50, I wanted to publish a book because I felt there was a lot of self-help books and those kind of things that were preying on people that were giving people mm. things and telling them to do it this way. And then, you know, spend money and go you know, to this and go to do that. And, and I've even been to some of those things and they give you the workbook and I was like, this is not kind of how I operate. You know, I don't like recipes. Mm-hmm. I like to just and throw for $2,000. You go to the next level. That's and right. For, and it's just yeah, all it's that kind stuff. Of weird Oof. pyramid schemes. And so I was like, well, you know what? I want to put down what my thoughts are in a way that 
um, that integrates all the different aspects of who I am and not just, you know, it's not just scientific uh, or spiritual, but uh, you know, it's just kind of everything. It's just kind of an open conversation, if you will. Um, so that's kind of why I wrote the book. I didn't really want to tour and do all that. Right. I've actually given away about uh, 200 copies and I think I've probably mm-hmm. sold 15. And I'm you gave me one and wow. thank you. You're welcome. It's and I'm completely fine with it because it's just I wanted people to get a sense of who a little bit more about who I am. Um, I would say I've been more of a, I've been more of a private person and not really expressive of like things deep down inside because I feel like I don't mm-hmm. want, you know, I don't know, it's just a private thing. And so for me to like put it all out there, you know, like even talking about, there's some people who wouldn't, who do not know that I, that I, I am agnostic, for example. Right. So like, you know, Mm -hmm. reading that, it's like, that might change their view of me. I talk about my suicide attempt when I was 15 in the book. So never wrote about that before. Mm -hmm. Um, so in in addition Mm -hmm. to that, um, book and then jump, you know, parachuting at 50, that, that was finally accomplished. So I feel good about it. Oh, cool. That's great. I love it. I love that concept. So good for you. Well, we'll link your book in our show notes as well for everybody. But um, yeah, I'll show you some love with that. That's great. Okay, that was his book, Seeking Selfies in an Age of Softum. I want to get a copy of this actually and give it away Let's do that. to our listeners. So um, follow us on social media and look for this book giveaway. We'll figure it out. Uh, for now, let's move into when we ask him, when I embarrassingly ask him about uh, mm-hmm. relationship status. I have to do it. Sorry. This is usual. I know. Here we go. Can I pivot and ask you, Akello, tell me if this is too personal, but why are you still single? Are you happy being single? Are you looking for love or what is your uh, love life situation? <laughs> Am I being super nosy? Sorry. Well, she'll, nosy. she'll always ask that. That's She's going to. That's being I'm like, in my life. I'm, what do they call the matchmaker in uh, Yiddish? Uh, I forget she does. that word. But. She does this often. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, outside of the, I, the fact that we're in a global pandemic and it's probably well, yes. not a good time to... Um, <laughs> have relationships <laughs> I, you know i've had them in the past and I'll, I'll, it's, it's it's here's a simple equation and then i do want to i want to talk about my hair at some point because it's a, Ooh, yeah this is different roll that right in yeah but but uh, there, and this is what i again um i i've had conversations with people who are having problems with their relationships or mm-hmm. being single is not being a problem but being single and let's just remove the idea that people who are single can date, they can have companionship, they can have really good sex. But I am, I call myself an I person. And okay. there are other people who are we people. They, the we, they want that connection with someone and they want to move through the world with another person mm. in this joint cooperative arrangement and if you have two we people that get together, that's great. You know, that's who that's they're oriented like that. They're um, like cult members. They just want to be part they, of that group. They, no, it is. Absolutely. And then there's the <laughs> I people like me who, you know, moved out when I was 18 and you know, lived in different states and cities and plopped down in places all by myself, because mm-hmm. that to me is living and 
it doesn't mean that I, if I ever met the right person, you know, I wouldn't, I would be open to that. Right. But I also know that as the, and people say the older you get, you get stuck in your ways. I don't think it's like that. I think the older you get, you really understand who you are. You know, I have an 82 year old aunt who's been my pen pal for like 26 years after my mother passed away and she had nine children. And then her husband passed away seven years ago. She lives alone and every letter she writes me is she's lonely. She hates being alone. Mm. And my, my thing is I'm on the opposite spectrum as I love being alone. You know, I love, you know, to hang out with people, whatever, but I could be alone for three days and not talk to anybody and be completely fine with it. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of my nature, the, the makeup of who I am. If I was in a relationship, I don't, I don't even think I would want to live together. I think it would be like maybe two or three days we would spend and the rest are our own. Does that make sense? Yeah. Wow. You could be like, um, I'm watching the crown right now. Princess Di and Charles, they had separate bedrooms, separate wings, like separate right? beds. Wow. I know that. They come together for pictures and kids, kid making. And again, it doesn't mean I don't love people and, you know, and all that, but I don't Mm -hmm. have that attachment of need. And I think a lot of it probably stems from just my experience in life um, coming up, um, seeing, seeing really no role models for people who are happy in relationships. And most people that were married ended up getting divorced. And my father was married five times. And I'm like, wow, wow people do. Mm-hmm. I think people get married because they have the, the fear of dying alone, maybe. But I, yeah. I you know, I have mm-hmm. a friend and she, you know, she's all agreed to euthanize me if need be like she, mm-hmm. I've got that all worked out. I know it's like an interesting thing, but when I think of relationships, I do really think of of people not wanting to die alone. That's true. It's part of the human experience, I'm sure. Yeah, nobody wants to be the person who's discovered in their house, you know, months later. And yeah. Well, the other thing too, let's be honest, is there are some people you only have like a physical connection with. Like the sex is really good, but there's really nothing else that kind of, you connect on. It's weird because especially if you have, you know, different aspects of who you are as a person, um, you're not going to get all those met with one person. I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, other people, you know, maybe they change their, maybe I have huge expectations and so I need to have multiple people in different tiers to be able to fulfill those things. Whereas some people want to uh, uh, be with someone. Okay, he is single, not ready to mingle necessarily. Unless, unless you're the one. Finds the right person. All right. This one is about, we cut out a little bit of the intro. We start talking about his hairdo. Go to YouTube and you can see it. But um, he did kind of a little sociology experiment with his hair. And uh, he'll explain that. Okay, do you want to end on what is up with your hair. I think it looks awesome. It is up with your hair. It looks fine and wonderful to me. I don't know yeah, what the story what, is. That's I'm what so I curious. wanted to tell you. It's a little bit more interesting. Um, so when I was in college, I was kind of a, you know, I was a sociology, African-American studies, double major with a minor in psychology. So mm. I came up with this idea that I, I just thought people were always reading, reading people by um, their clothes, their hair, their adornments. Right. And I shaved my head mm-hmm. because I didn't want that to be something that people would read on me. Believe it or not. I just mm-hmm. like, if someone's, if everyone, I, I had this philosophy that if everyone was bald and shaved their head, 
there would be less aggression. There would be, people would be happier. I don't know why that was just my philosophy. Mm. And again, I wanted to use my own head as an experiment, I guess, to see how people reacted and what that meant. But then I also found that I really like really liked the look. And I just thought it was so much easier to just shave my head. I didn't have to pay anybody. And that was in 1993. Wow. And you stuck with it because we met up just a few months ago. I stuck with it. Um, a year ago, I started to kind of play around with growing my hair out, right? But I, I, in cutting, trying to cut my hair and keep it trimmed, I like sometimes it cut too much and then you got to cut everything else. And then it ended up, I was like, I can't do this. And I just cut it all off. So again, I tried to grow it this year. And this time I kind of let the, you know, the sides start to grow out. And I was like, well, this is kind of fun. And now when I look at myself without hair, even though I wore it for like 27 years with hair, <laughs> I said like, that looks weird. And I feel more like me. And the other thing too is, and now Julianne pointed out too, um, I felt like I, you know, getting the agent and the manager, I just kept getting these, these thug roles and things like that, you know, because of my appearance. And I was like, I want to do, I want something different than that. Like are people really turned away because I shaved my head and, and that was, you know, and I'm, I feel like it does change my appearance. And actually the first yeah. time I wrote, mm. the first time I did it, um, last year I wrote an article about, um, for LinkedIn about the experience. Cause most people have hair. Now I have some thinning in the back and at, and I'm okay with that. I didn't even know it was there because I had shaved my head for so long. <laughs> Other people do the opposite, you know, like men that have ma uh, male pattern baldness, you know, they eventually sh shave their head and my roommate does exactly. that. Right. But I was like, oh, I can grow hair. I have a hairline. And it was like, okay, let's see where it goes. So it's kind of different for me, you know, to have hair. That's cool. So you haven't really seen like that, that many people with it, but have you, what's the reaction now? From oh, they, people people you have seen? Like when I, when I, okay, so I did an audition, you know, a self-tape audition and sent it out. And I, I hadn't even told my manager and agent that, that I was growing my hair because I know they immediately say, get more headshots. I'm like, wait, no more. I just got some. But when they saw it, like they immediately said, oh, I'm in love with your hair. People always respond in such a positive way, which is yeah. interesting. When I talked about reading hair, I was like, well, what was wrong with the way I looked before? <laughs> you know, so it's very different. So it really, it really um, substantiates my claim that people do see hair as a big thing. I mean, see, you know, what's so weird is I didn't really even notice. I'm, I'm an eye person and I'll mm, make eye contact. And then yeah. I, but my sister's different where she'll notice, like she'll obsess on someone's tooth. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't even see their teeth. I was like, eye contact. It's weird. We're just different in that way. Gotcha. So gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm picking up on a little Caesar Milan kind of, uh, vibe but you know what also i like the eyes too and the 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 smile wrinkles i yeah. can relate to yeah. that so i like you have a very happy face so yeah. all good and it's interesting about the hair i've heard this from friends who have actually had to go undergo breast cancer treatment you know and they lose their hair and how much of an identity it is and mm. how hard it is to be out there without yeah. the hair and um so i applaud you experimenting with that i think that's, that's cool. cool and oh, to wow. To gauge people's but women have it so much, neat. so much harder in the hair game. You know what I'm saying? They really it's do. tough. But then you guys get the the male pattern balding, so you know we may not get yeah. that as much. So yeah. it's a trade off. 
<laughs> yeah, it's all interesting. Well, well, it's all that external appearance and how I remember I wore boxy clothes at the time when I was getting very voluptuous, and I I said. I said, I want people to love me for my personality. So yeah. I just, and I, I look back at pictures and I was, and it was really different because you would see the types of people who would accept you as a friend or as a, yeah, yeah versus the guys mm. when they saw your boobs. It's like, all right, I know you guys versus <laughs> you guys. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we could talk for hours about, you know, appearance and, and yeah. perceptions and identity. But um, bottom yeah. line is, you know, you just have to, I believe in like uh, when I meet people, get to know people, I always give everyone a blank slate and like build from there. And some people yeah. see it as kind of a naive quality because we want to m- immediately judge and make discernments. But I'm like, I know nothing about this person They'll, and I'll have to like build an, yeah. an understanding of who they are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to take the time to do that, unfortunately. Yeah, that's most people. I wonder if that's a, a, a reaction out of maturity too. Whereas when you're young and maybe see, I always go back to my caveman theory. I have to bring it up, but when you're young and ready to mate and you're looking at the girl with the nice boobs, you know, that's a measure of, she would be a good mom. She could feed my babies. And so you're more attracted to that. But maybe once you exit that stage of needing to reproduce, you really start to notice personalities and the more meaning. Well, yeah, see, I was, and I never I was a baby person, so I didn't think like that as much because I didn't think I wanted to have kids. And you also, it's in your book that you didn't. Yeah, I put mine on display. I wanted to be a mom, so I was pushing those puppies up. Yeah. So I wonder if that's a distinction right there, like knowing that if you want to be a mom or a dad or not. What were you going to say? Why do you think that people are different in that way? What makes a difference? I have been wondering this my entire life because Julianne and I are so different in this aspect, but I don't know. I really think I popped out this way. I was a little girl and I love babies and Barbie dolls and I just followed my mom around and I wanted to be domestically, you know, uh, as with it as she was and did all the cooking and cleaning. That was just all fascinating to me from the time I was, I don't know, two. And then Julianne popped out and I really thought she was my baby. I took care of her. So it's just an instinct. I can't explain it. And now that I'm older and they're more independent, now is when I'm coming into my own and I want to do things for me. And this is really the first time in my life I I felt that that way. So it's just who I am. I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) So yeah, it all worked out. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where my kids fall with this too, because I can see my daughter already being a little mini mommy, and then there's my middle son who's very competitive, and he he's decided when he was young he won't say it now, but when he was young he said, you know, I think I'm going to be gay because then I can hang out with my best friend, we can drive a sports car, we can play soccer all the time, we don't have to pay for kids, it'd be great. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it would be was great. that Elliot or but Toby? I don't think he understood. It was Elliot, but I don't think he understood the nuance of the physical part of that. So <laughs> now he now he sings another tune now that he's 13. Yeah. He goes, oh, I can't believe I said that. But anyway, yeah, it's an interesting thing to to think about. But gosh, Akello, I love how in tune you are with yourself. It's so refreshing to have a guy who's not posing to be something he's not and who can really lean into um, all, all parts of yourself. I think that's great. 
appreciate that. So, I'm still, yeah. still a work in progress. I, you know, I, I, I come to these, these moments where I'm like, I thought you, I thought you knew who you were and you're like, no, you still repressing that. Like I said, like that, that wow. coming to the thing with that acting thing, I was almost embarrassed to admit that I didn't really want to do it. Like, what do I do? It's almost like you back yourself into a corner. Then like, how do I get out? You know, you, you know, make mm-hmm. decisions and then you have to find a way to like undo the decision. Right. But it's always, yeah. you can always do that though. You can always do that. And a lot of times, most of the time, the best thing that you can ever do is to communicate what you really think in a way that's eloquent and respectful. You know what I mean? I, I strive mm-hmm. to live a life free of conflict, you know, and the only conflict I usually get is like, they don't pick up the trash bin and I've got to like, call LADWP several times to kind of get that. That's my conflict there. But that was because I've, I've created a life that doesn't require that because I came from uh, a background where conflict was the norm. And I, I didn't want mm-hmm. to have my life like that and be miserable. That's good. Yeah. Now, Akella, you have something on the horizon that I saw um, which might explain why you have this nice microphone in front of you. What are you doing in the future? What's coming up for everybody that we can tell them about? Well, I started actually was trying to um, DIY a uh, audio book for the book, you know, to read the book. And it is so oh, it's cool. really hard to do that, it, especially on your own, you know. Uh, and I do mm. like audiobooks and people like them. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I can do this. I think what I can do is... Uh, a podcast that covers a little bit deeper into each of these chapters. And a good friend of mine agreed to read the higher, entire, entire book and write three questions for every chapter and then record her voice reading the, the, the wow. questions. And so I'm going to answer the questions and they're very thorough, deep questions that I get to mess around with. So that's called Seeking Self, them Going Deeper. Nice. And I'm also working on a 13-part meditation guided meditation series for insight timer called delve into selfdom and so i want to also take the 13 chapters and find something to be able to meditate on too so the the book was really kind of like i need a like a platform of ideas so i can not have to reinvent the wheel over and over again um but those two things are what i are on the horizon for me uh hopefully by spring, they'll come out. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's very cool. Akello, thank you for being here with us. This is very enlightening for us both. Right, Joe? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I could talk for another three hours. <laughs> yeah, so we'll look for your podcast. I'm going to link everything in the show notes again. Um, and your audiobook in the future and your guided meditations. Um, coming up. I was going to say too, when we were talking about yoga and stuff, there's a very cool Instagram account called um, Black Boys of Ohm. And, oh, really? Because I think it breaks down stereotypes I'm of race in that. yoga. So. I'm absolutely pulling that up. Anyway, thank well, you thank so you, much. Akello. You're amazing. Thanks so much. We look forward to a fun future with your podcast and uh, we. Yeah. Good oh find. my gosh, we think <laughs> you're you. great. You're awesome, Akella. <laughs> Thank you so much hard, for being you know, here. Ahmed is a hard act to follow, but... <laughs> He's the like-minded, Oh my though. goodness. Birds of a feather. That's good. All right. Well, thank you. And we Uh-oh. hope to talk to you soon again. You will. You will. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Yay. All right. Akella Stone, everybody. Love thank you. you. Bye-bye. 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 The podcast is called Seeking Selfdom, Going Deeper. Master of None, Uncertainty in Social Media. 
Woo! Right. It looks like it's available everywhere. I found it on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. And it looks good, you guys. Go check it out. Seeking Selfdom, Going Deeper with Akello Stone. Woohoo! If you would like to hear more about Akello Stone, please go to our show notes on mouseandweens.com. You can also follow us on all of our social media at mouseandweens. Spell it all out. And we look forward to hearing from you. We'd like to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners and a monstrous thank you to all of our patrons. We've got two new patrons this month, and we want to give huge shout outs to Megan and Joyce. Thank you so much. We love you guys, and it means the world. And anyone else who wants to join patreon.com backslash mouse and weens will get a, a welcome swag bag. We'll get... Uh, behind the scenes content, extra videos, bloopers, outtakes, and the full episodes that are unedited. So it might be worth a little $5 a month, just a coffee, to uh, come on over to Patreon. And we hope to see you there. So thank you, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up to the minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved. Do you love plants? Don't be silly. Of course you do. You might just not know it yet. I'm Vikram Baliga, the host of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives and careers of some really cool plant people. Join me each episode as I chat with students, scientists, and professionals in the natural sciences and figure out what keeps them coming back for more. We'll explore their work, the ways they got into their fields, why they love plants and nature so much, and why you should love those things too. Planthropology is laid back and conversational and will keep you laughing and engaged whether you're a scientist or not. Follow along for this adventure into the sciences and keep being really cool plant people. This was a podcast of the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.